it's really important to say to someone, I would like you to give me two things you think I could do better or one thing you think I could do more of and one thing you think maybe I could do less of and give them permission to be truthful with you because most people will only say what they think you want to hear. She, she sat with that and recently said to me, you told me that about a year ago, Margie. I sat with it a long time and I finally have taken and I've changed my business name. Yay. And and I said, great. I Look, and I knew I was being kind of hard, like what I was saying mm. was hard for her to hear, but I was like, I just think your business name's totally holding you back. Yeah. You know, and you came up with that business name at a time 15 years ago and it felt good. But some, just because that was the business name you created 15 years ago doesn't mean it's the business name that's going to take you to the next level. Welcome to the Chill Mom Boss Show, where your best mom life starts here. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Chill Mom Boss Show, and I'm your host, Michelle Han, and I'm very glad that you're tuning in today. The world that we live in today is very different from what we were living just two, three months ago. And if you're feeling a little bit of anxiety, a bit fearful of what the future may bring, today's guest, Margie Worrell, would be the perfect person to walk you through this journey. And she is the founder of Global Courage, and um, she's an author of five books. She has a brand new book coming out called You've Got This. And I want you to hear from her. Welcome, Maggie. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Michelle, it's great to be joining you. So, um, yeah, why don't you tell my audience who you are? Um, I've, I've seen your, um, your bio and all the photos you have all, with all the um, famous people like Sir Richard Branson, Tony Robbins, and Ariana Huntington. So, yeah, tell me about your journey. Yeah, well, it's been an interesting, a very interesting one. I grew up actually on a small dairy farm in rural Australia, one of seven kids. Uh, never left the country till I was 19. Uh, didn't, didn't, hadn't gotten a plane till I was 19. So I had a very uh, pretty confined childhood growing up. My father milked cows for 50 years. But over the last 25 years, I've lived and worked around the world and had opportunities to work with extraordinary people like Tony Robbins, like Richard Branson, Bill Marriott, um, lots of different people and leaders and luminaries, um, really pursuing my own passion, my own sense of purpose and calling in the world and helping others to get out of their own way and keep the fear that so often hems us in in check and obviously right now we're in the midst of an extraordinary time where we are dealing with so much uncertainty and many people are finding themselves feeling anxious and feeling afraid of what does the future hold what's the new norm going to look like when we are able to come back out of our homes and back into our lives and so yeah it just so happens that my new book you've got this has been has come out right in the midst of this pandemic. So, no irony lost on me that uh, just as I just as I'm just as I'm launching a book, telling people you've got this, trust yourself, you can handle more than you think, you can do more than you think. I had to um, I have had to really walk my own talk myself in the last month or so. Yeah. So um, and you are residing in Singapore right now. 
I am. Yes, I am in Singapore right now. Okay, so from okay, let's go back a little bit, and I always like to find out who the person is before she is who she is today. And yeah. so growing up in a farm <laughs> in rural Australia, did you think like what was your ambition as a child? Did you think this is what you would uh, be doing? I, I, no, I couldn't have because I didn't even know about it. Yeah. So I grew up. My mum looked after. The kids, my dad milked cows. No one had gone to university. I went to the city once a year where I saw traffic lights. Um, and the most exciting thing was going to McDonald's once a year. So we never went to a restaurant my entire childhood. We went once to a restaurant. So I'd been to a restaurant once before the age of 18. Wow. So nothing like a Singaporean existence where you eat out, we eat out all the time. And so, no, I couldn't have imagined it. I, I never even occurred to me to write books. I didn't know there were people who would travel around the world on stages and speaking. So absolutely, this what the life I'm living is not one that I imagined as a child. Yeah. Um, as a teenager, I was really interested in being a journalist, a television journalist. Mm. Um, I, I was quite captivated with the idea of being like a foreign correspondent, but I recall my mum saying to me when I shared that with her, saying, but you don't read the paper and you don't know what's going on in the news. And it was true, but we didn't get the paper and we didn't talk about what was going on in the news. So it was probably pretty hard as a 14, 15-year-old to have been particularly worldly or up on global politics. Um, but certainly once I moved to Melbourne to go to university as an 18-year-old, and then when I finished there, I spent a couple of years backpacking around the world, and that really opened up the world to me a lot and helped me see a whole lot of, hi, expanded my horizons of what was possible. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't mention that I have four children as well, so yeah. I have four wonderful children. Um, I guess that's how we connected to, you know, the theme, obviously, mum boss. Um, and so, yeah, so for me, it's been continually pushing my own boundaries of what's possible and having the courage to put myself out there and be uncomfortable. And I think it's that unwillingness to be uncomfortable that holds us back. Mm. Okay, so tell me about, you know, your journey for time as a 19-year-old in Melbourne and then how did you from that girl to become a leader in um, yeah. uh, an authority in leadership and courage. Yeah. Uh, so I would, it wasn't a straight line, was definitely not linear. It has unfolded and has taken on lots of different twists and turns. So as a 19-year-old in Melbourne, I was unsophisticated, had bad acne, was dealing with an eating disorder, and uh, no one knew that, of course. I knew that, but no one else knew that. Mm. And I would say I was pretty insecure, but I have always been, uh, had a, a sense of adventure. I've always been curious. So on the outside, anyone looking at me would have always said, oh, no, you look like you've got it all together. On the inside, I knew that I didn't have it all together, even, even dealing with, I had bulimia. And I would never have told anyone that as a 19-year-old because yeah. I had a lot of shame around that. Um, and so that's who I was as an 18, 19 year old, just really exploring. I was always willing to work really hard, you know, right the way through university. I worked two jobs. I always worked super hard. I, I never sat around watching TV for hours on end. I was always working hard, um, just to pay the bills at that point in my life. Um, in my twenties, as I got out and traveled more, 
I started realizing I, I, as you know, even backpacking around the world for a year on just a few travelers checks, my parents didn't have any money. So it was very much self-funded. I think that helped build my resilience and it also Mm. helped build my confidence. It's like, yeah, I can do this. I can Mm. travel in these strange places and figure my way through the public transport system or whatever it was. This is the days before internet. Um, And I think that all of that built up my self-confidence and my self-reliance. And then I I moved back to, was back in Australia, met my husband. We've been married 26 years, 26 and a half years. Uh, yeah, long time. I should tell you I was married at 12, but it's not, obviously <laughs> not quite true. Um, we got married and uh, and then actually we both wanted to say, let's, let's go and work overseas. And we would love to have moved to Singapore at that point, but the only option we had was Papua New Guinea. Oh, wow. So we moved to Papua New Guinea as okay. a young married couple. And that was an adventure because yeah. it's... At the time, I think it was one of the most dangerous countries in the world outside a war zone. Um, and that itself was interesting. But again, it sort of just gave you it. You're continually broadening your experience of life and how you're mm. looking at things. Mm. And it was while I was there, a series, a series of experiences. I was in an armed robbery. I had a, a miscarriage at four and a half months pregnant. Then I had two more miscarriages. But that's when I decided I'd, I'd studied business, but I went back to university and studied psychology, thinking I, th- I really want to become someone who helps people deal with their own thinking, what gets in our own way, the barriers in our own heads. Um, and I went back there and did psychology, which then I moved back to Melbourne, then I moved to Adelaide, Australia, then I moved to Dallas, Texas. And all that while having children, then I had four children in five years. Um, in between having four children, as I said, I've always worked hard, so yeah. I would study for a few hours here and there, um, stop start with my with my psychology degree, and eventually trained as a coach living in America. And while in the United States, started a coaching business and started speaking in the United States to try and get coaching clients, but then speaking took on a whole world of its own, and I ended up running leadership programs for NASA and for the United Nations Foundation. Hey there, I'm taking a short break to let you know that if you've been thinking of starting a business but you just don't know where or how to start or you've been in business for a while but you're that frazzled entrepreneur trying to do everything but your business is still not growing, here's the good news my friend. I have a free webinar on thechillmom.com just for you because understanding the five necessary components to the foundation of any successful online business will save you years of agony, expensive mistakes and sleepless nights wondering why the heck you aren't seeing any results yet. So join me and register at michellehon.com slash passion to profit and discover the five pillars that all six and seven figure businesses are built on. It all just came about simply, I honestly, it was nothing to do with my network. I mean, it was, it was people I met, but it wasn't like I got given a network. I had to make a network. And even moving to Singapore two and a half years ago, I landed here. I didn't know anyone in Singapore. Um, it's the third continent I've had to start my business on, uh, a third time over. And so just 
going out and meeting people and making connections and someone introduces you to someone and then you have a coffee and, and it all it all it all over time there's a ripple effect um but just showing up and putting myself out there if i was going to say anything putting myself out there again and again and again and not just sticking with what was comfortable wow that's yeah because you're really living the example of being courageous and just go out there and because you restarted your life many times over and mm -hmm. when you first started off as a coach in the US um what were you coaching and how did that lead to all the speaking engagement in like NASA and that those are big yeah. names yeah yeah so I didn't know anyone in me. I, I was a mum at home with four yeah. kids. And you were balancing all this doing psychology, coaching. I had four little, coaching, kids, four had kids. Four little kids and actually, no with, well, actually with the first three children, I had no help. So yeah. I definitely just had did it all on my own. But when we decided to have a fourth child, um, my husband said, why don't we get some help? And I, I mean, in Singapore, obviously, it's just mm -hmm. common to have help. But I hadn't grown up with help. Help was mm -hmm. expensive and I didn't feel that we were in a position to afford it. And then with the fourth child, we decided to get an au pair. We, had a, we got an 18-year-old from Australia came and lived with us and that allowed me to do more, to have mm -hmm. that help. And that was something I had to get out of my own way because I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I thought I had to do it all on my own. Um, and getting that help really, that made a big difference. And so how did I, the speaking actually, I started speaking to try and get coaching clients. I would go and give free talks everywhere. Though anywhere that would wanted someone to have a do a free, I would reach out to all the sorts of associations and say, can I give a free talk? And um, I gave a lot of free talks before I gave a paid talk. And as people saw me speak, eventually someone from actually Accenture, a bigger consulting firm said, oh, could you come and give a talk at our company? And then someone at Accenture that was there was from HR and they said, well, could you coach some of these executives that we have? And so it all sort of, I started doing more and more in the as corporate realm. Organically. And especially back in those days, there's no social no media. Organic. It is really it was just human connection networking. 100%. There was never a brochure or the, I mean, I got, I had a website. I mean, I, obviously I still have a website, but it wasn't, it was everyone, it was, came down to either someone meeting me or mm. seeing me speak or someone who had seen me or met me recommending me. Mm. I mean, that was 100% of it. It wasn't someone finding me online. Yeah. Um, nowadays, obviously, people find me online because I write for Forbes or they find me on YouTube or, you know, just because of other the content. But, I mean, the internet, I had a website, but there was no social media when I started in 2003. Well, if there was, I wasn't on social media. Um, I don't think it was, I don't think there was no Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn back in 2003. So it was really just people seeing me in person. It was all organic. Um, and while it's, I have a lot of people say to me, oh, how do I get to where you are? Well, I've been yeah. doing this now for, how old's Matthew? Yeah. My youngest, 16, 16 years. 16, yeah. Um, my youngest child's 17 years old and I started doing it when he was, when the year he was born in 2003, I gave my first talk. I probably took a few months till I got my first client in 2004. Um, so that's 16 years ago. Mm. And of course, in the beginning, I wasn't making a lot of money. I need to be clear here. It's not like I came out the gates and I was making a six-figure salary. The first year or two, I don't know if I made a five-figure salary. I was mm. just 
getting my wheels on, just kind of getting out there. And then it sort of built up and built up. But I think a few things, there were a few pivot points that really took it to another level. And writing my first book, I self-published it. But then um, I sent it out to all the big publishing houses and one of them said, we really like this book, we want to republish this globally. And then that allowed me, I had hired a publicist, I ended up on the Today Show in Rockefeller Plaza in New York. Nice. And then I ended up on the CNN. And, and, and obviously then I did a, a lot of media on CNN and Fox and CNBC and all of the big... Um, so I started doing a lot more media, which then that took things to another level. And yeah. as I got better at speaking, I'd get invited to speak at bigger and bigger events. And so I just, I have just worked hard doing what I love to do. And mm. some things have worked well and some things haven't. And um, I don't think there's one formula. And I would say you couldn't, to try and copy everything I do might not land the same results. But I always say to people, do more of what it is you want to do well. Yeah. Be as excellent as you can. Put yourself out there. Connect with people. Be smart. Take the feedback when you don't get the results you want. Look at what what is it I'm not doing so well. Um, I think sometimes I see people making the mistake, thinking, oh, if I'm just passionate, that's enough. Well, I think you absolutely have to be passionate, but you also need to take the feedback and go, well, where do I need to position myself differently or how am I not promoting myself in a way that's connecting to the audience or that demonstrates the value I have to bring? Mm. Um, So it's being smart about it as well. So you've been working by yourself, building this business up as, you know, juggling studies, coaching, trying to get speaking opportunity to get your name out there, parenting, mothering. So, and then you... And you are constantly getting feedback as well. So where do you go and get these feedback? And do you have a mentor? Or do you learn it off someone? Or yeah. Yeah. I, I've had a whole lot of different, I'm kind of, actually funny, I'm looking at myself now and I'm going, oh, I should have done my hair. And I. <laughs> you look great. This is how moms look like. Well, I, I do get to that. Home days, most days right now. Yes. Exactly. Um. um I've had coaches over the years, mm-hmm. absolutely. I haven't had them consistently, but I've had them in different intervals. I have connected with people who I've made good friendships with who have given, I've asked, I have actively asked for feedback. Mm. Um, what do you think I could do differently? You know, what do you think I could do more of? You know, giving people permission to be really candid with me. Yeah. Um, and that's really important that people feel they can be truthful because yeah. if you ask most people, what do you think? And they'll go, oh, you're great. Yeah, because they don't want to hurt your feelings. So, okay, maybe so like. I think it's really important to say to someone, I would like you to give me two things you think I could do better or one thing you think I could do more of and one thing you think maybe I could do less of and give them permission to be truthful with you because most people will only say what they think you want to hear And most people will be too afraid to say, um, actually, like, for instance, there's a woman I know here in Singapore who has a business and she is a coach and she would like to speak more and she would like to have a book. And she said, how can I get further along to where you are? And I said, well, the name of your business, to be truthful with you, I think the name of your business really holds you back. She said, really? And I said, yeah, I just think your business sounds fluffy. Mm. and doesn't have substance to it Mm. and 
I know that that was hard for her to hear because she really loves the name of her business that she came up with 15 years ago. But I said, it's just extremely feminine. It sounds really fluffy Uh and it doesn't sound like you have a lot of substance to bring. And your business name is this fluffy sort of, that makes me think of someone who is very esoterical and it's all very woo-woo versus Mm -hmm. based in some good evidence-backed science and Mm -hmm. research, what you talk about. And so... Mm -hmm. She, she'd sat with that and recently said to me, you told me that about a year ago, Margie. I sat with it a long time and I finally have taken and I've changed my business name. And, and I said, great. I, look, and I knew I was being kind of hard, like what I was saying was hard for her to hear, but I was like, I just think your business name's totally holding you back. Yeah. You know, and you came up with that business name at a time 15 years ago and it felt good. But some, just because that was the business name you created 15 years ago doesn't mean it's the business name that's going to take you to the next level. Mm. Um, or even the pretty little logo you have that doesn't connect with the audience that you're trying to market to. So, so I, and I've also welcomed that feedback myself at times too with mm. people just saying, you know, I mean, in different formats, um, you know, you should invest more money here. You should, you know do less of this over here. It's wasting your time. Mm. Um, and But that said, I also, actually in my book Brave, which is my third book, I, I have a chapter in there and it's, it's advice I give to a lot of people. Seek expert advice, but as, apply sparingly because the worst you ever, advice you ever get is bad advice. And I see mm-hmm. people, and I, I think it's a mistake I made, was... At the beginning, when you don't know, I had everyone tell me, you need to just find a niche. Find your niche, which I understand there's a logic to it. But, Margie, you should be the coach for expatriate women Mm. because you're an expatriate woman. This is when I was living in Dallas, Texas, or expatriate women with young children. And Mm. I was like, ah, the thought that they're the only people that I would coach or work with bores me, just bores me. Like, that bores me so much. That's not to say that wouldn't be good advice for someone else. It just didn't. It just didn't it right for you. Yeah. I've also had advice saying you should always wear red everywhere you go. Wear red. That's your color. Now I love red, and I wear red a lot, and um, I wear it a lot on television. I wear it a lot on stage, but I don't want to always wear red. I just don't want to always wear red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Sometimes some people are like, well, no, that's brand, that's your brand color. You need to always wear that if you're ever doing anything. And as you can see today, I'm in a, I'm in a summery dress, which is yeah. not looking overly professional, but it's comfortable, and that's what I'm working in today. So yeah, why not? And most of our audience are working from home, moms just like you, and just like yeah. us. So, yeah. Well, and I think I think a key thing is, and I would say this to a lot of people: be yourself. And I think in my 30s, and I'm guessing a lot of your audience are in their 30s, and um, I'm not anymore, um, I think sometimes we're trying to prove something and we've got on our polished veneer, this is who I am, and we can be all very glammed up and it's easy to get caught up in looking good and wanting to look perfect and have the design of this and the design of that and the perfect image, and I I saw somebody was, she was advertising um, portraits, professional portraits recently in mm. Singapore. And I looked at them and they, none of them appealed to me because they were all so yeah. not real. <laughs> just, just kind of fake. I mean, just mm. sort of that, you know, and I'm like, mm. 
no one walks around looking like like be yourself we want to know who the person is behind we want to know who you are we don't want to know that you look like everybody else and i think that's important i would say to people stop trying to be like someone else stop trying to look like someone out of you know crazy occasions or something else you know just just be yourself and have your own brand and let that that'll develop over time um and that for me is not trying to prove i'm not trying to be like anybody else you know as i've got better at being myself i remember when i was i was asked to interview richard branson i went and had a few days with him at his island and i was asked to interview him for forbes and as i was thinking about you know obviously he's pretty iconic guy and the day before I interviewed him, I met him and he was really warm and friendly. And I just thought, you know, I could get all caught up like, oh, I'm interviewing Richard Branson. I should look like I'm polished and look a million dollars. And we were hanging on his island. I, was li- I literally was in a dress a bit like this and in bare feet the night that I ended up interviewing him because that was the environment. Just sort of, mm. I mean, I, did I, maybe I had some thongs, flip flops on, but it was, <laughs> and it was sort of like, no, he's a relaxed guy. Mm. He is very at home with himself. Yeah. Who am I when I'm at home with myself? I am not going to have my hair all coiffed and be in expensive jewellery. It's going to be just in my $25 necklace and then my little pair of studs, you know, like that's, yes, and you is. know what? And the feet, and I know we, we really got on really well. He was great. But I, I know that that connection was much more authentic because I wasn't trying to be someone, mm. if you know what I'm saying. So I would just mm. say to people, stop trying to be somebody other than who you are yeah. and um and i think there's just a massive power in authenticity and that's i know opened a lot of doors for me because versus trying to be someone mm. if you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i think and it's a lot easier to just be yourself than trying to be someone else because you would never be as good as the someone else that you're trying to be yeah um okay let's bring it back to today and um you know as we are all in this situation and how do you think your book is something that, you know, would help moms, especially in this situation and what we're going through? Oh, chapter one. Here it is. Here, yeah. right? Chapter one is don't wait for confidence. And I share in there my own story, but I also share the story of a woman. I started running Live Brave weekends, um, women's weekends about five years ago. I ran mm-hmm. my first one just off... Um, just on Batam Island last exactly a year ago um, here in Singapore. And, but one of the women who came to my very first one, she, um, she had this idea for a business, but she was just completely paralyzed because she was like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to launch my own activewear line. But she mm-hmm. really wanted to for larger size women. She's larger size. And okay. she wanted to be colorful. And she came to the weekend and she realized she put all of her energy and all of the reasons why not, why she mm. wasn't skilled enough, why she wasn't knowledgeable enough. Why she, mm. And I just, and as I say in chapter one, don't wait for confidence. Do not wait until you know what you're doing. Do not wait until you have a perfect business plan. Do not wait until you have mastered the craft, whatever craft you, you have. Mm. Um, if I'd waited till I was the perfect coach, or the perfect speaker, or the best yeah. world, the world's best writer, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have started a coaching business. I'd never have got up to speak. I would never have written a book. Mm. Um, and I think there's so much power in lowering your perfectionist bar. 
And I think women, we women are our own worst enemy because we think we have to have it all together and know exactly what we're doing and look the part before we start. And you get better by doing, not by sitting Mm. at home and planning and writing and thinking about it, by just doing. So when people say, I'd like to write a book, I'm like, well, start by writing an article and publish it on LinkedIn or a blog or just start. You don't have to write the world's best article. Just Mm. start. Um, People say, I want to start a podcast. I'm like, don't, you don't have to start the best world's best podcast. Just start a podcast. And, um, that's been a huge key for me and, and juggling that with four kids, being in, giving yourself permission to be an imperfect mother as well. I don't think, I, I, as I've said to my kids many times, you know, you don't have to be a perfect mum to be a great mum. Mm. I have fallen down many times when it comes to being as organised as I'd like. I'm the opposite of a tiger mother. Um, and I know in Asia I am like so countercultural that I see people literally break out in hives listening to the way I have parented my kids who are at Columbia and NYU and I might say they're doing super well because I have never once known what school projects they've had on them probably not since they're about 10 I wouldn't know what wouldn't know what projects they have I don't even hardly know what exams they've got coming up I'm just like, get to it, guys. This is on you. And they they know if they're relying on mum to be on top of their work schedule, they will fail because I have no idea. Um, I'm like, just let me know if I can support you. But, hey, you know, it's mm. on you. And so that raises really self-reliant kids who are all just self-driven to do well. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a very good advice, especially for mums in Singapore who are dealing with home-based learning. And for the first mm-hmm. time ever, everyone is trying to do homeschooling, which is not yep. very common in Singapore. And everyone is yep. like, oh, I have to sit next to my kid. And I'm like, why do you have to sit next to them? They, they know yeah. how to work that computer better than how you know how to work that computer. Do you yeah. think? I honestly lower the bar through a yeah. time like this. Seriously, yeah. lower the bar. I, I really believe that we put, I actually think we do our kids a lot of damage by being over-parenting. Mm. and being really anxious for them. I see that. I see the mental health issues of teenagers. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't serve our kids. Our kids aren't happier because we're riding their backs all the time. And frankly, actually, we can do a lot of damage to our kids too. And and I know myself, it's my interpersonal skills that have landed me everything. It's not because I ever got the best test scores. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to the best university. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I did well enough. I, I, did, I did fine academically. But it wasn't because I have an Ivy League education. I mean, it wasn't even that wasn't an option anyway, because my family had no money. But 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 it was my my people skills, and yeah. and likewise for my own kids. You know, they're good kids. They've got fine scores. They're B plus kids. A my A kids. They'll get A's and they get B pluses and sometimes a C. And I'm like, you know. Do you know how to connect with people? Do people want to hang around with you? Can you organize things? You know, are you someone that people are going to like? And that's really important in the world. Are you creative? Can you think outside the box? I don't care if you don't get 100% on a math test. Seriously, that's how is that going to really make an impact down the track? Unless you want to be an engineer or like unless that's something you really want to go into and which my kids don't. But but I just think we get so caught up on the test scores and we, our kids can't help but think that their worthiness is, is measured by their test score. 
And our kids' worth is not measured by their test score, nor the job they do. Um, and we do them a disservice when we when we relate to them through that lens. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 I would definitely just take that part and just put it on replay on my story or my social media. That's yeah. just pure goal for the Asian tiger moms. They just really yeah. need to hear that. Well, so and recognizing, rec- recognizing to Michelle that that's about our ego. Yes. We want to tell people, oh, my child's at Harvard, my child's at Columbia, Princeton, blah, blah, blah. That's your ego there. That's not about your child. That's about you because mm. you don't want to say my child's at, I don't know, whatever you think of as a lesser option, um, <laughs> you know, because they're studying, I don't know, something that's art. not as prestigious, <laughs> art, you know, art. And, and I just think that's about you. We need to do our own inner work. And I think you cannot raise brave, resilient, happy, grounded kids if you are hung up on everyone thinking that your child is the best, most, that they were the summa cum laude of their grade or whatever you, um, I think that's, that's, that's our ego and our fear of being judged mm. that's running the show. Mm. And I think, yeah, that's, that's just, I, I fully agree with you. I think it's, um, it's just, I think it's hard for, for Asian parents, like, you know, my parents, for example, when I grew up, they have really high expectations of me. Um, that's just a lot of people think that's the way out of their current circumstances or, you know, whichever class that they're in that studies and getting good results is the way out. But again and again, like, you know, based on your stories, my story or other people's story, um, it's really just a sheer hard work and building that confidence in us that, um, yeah, willing to take risks, to have courage. That's why what you're doing is so. Important. Oh, it's totally, it's totally mindset, right? I mean, yeah. I did a business degree at um, a place that doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. I did my business degree, but it's now, it's now part of Monash University in Australia. And yeah, it was, it's fine. I, I did a, a business degree. Mm. I use, I can't even, I don't even know what I learned, use from my business degree, right? <laughs> I just. But I learned confidence in my business degree. I learned the ability to talk to people and connect and not be intimidated by people. And that, and I learned how to navigate a whole new world, you know, a, a city world. I mean, I learned, I think of everything I learned from that, my three-year degree and I, very little of it was the actual knowledge from, I mean, I, you know, I, learned, I know I learned something, but it wasn't, that's it not what I'm applying more outside to. class, how you relate to other people. Yeah, like yeah, it was so, so many yeah. things. And so... Now, now, I'm not saying it. I mean, it's great. We need mm. doctors and, and we need lawyers and we need engineers and we yeah. need data scientists and we need all of that thing. So I'm not in any way disparaging anything like that. Mm. All I'm saying is that we, it's about the reasons we do what we do. Mm. And, um, and I think when fear is running our parenting or when mm. fear is running us, Mm. then that actually is stifling us because anywhere where your fear is calling the shots, you're not free and your kids, frankly, are suffering. Mm. So what's the, before we go, what's the one mindset that you want you know, our listener, our audience to, 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 to take with them or what's the one thing that they can do every time they feel a bit anxious, a bit like out of control, like I really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the central premise, and we, I haven't really talked that much about what's in the book because I haven't, <laughs> parenting is not what's in the book. Like, mm-hmm. while well, I have, well, I obviously operate from that. But um, at the core of it is trusting in our innate capacity 
our own internal ability and resources to deal with whatever's coming. And so often it's our fear of what we think might happen and it's our fear of what, what we project onto what other people might think or what we project into the future that limits us. Whereas if you trusted in yourself that whatever happens, you can handle it, that what anyone else says or thinks isn't what defines you and even your circumstances don't define you and where your kids go to college doesn't define you or university doesn't define you. But actually when, when you're operating from a place of I'm going to decide what I want to do, who I want to be, and I'm not going to give power to all of the externals outside of me. That allows you to hold yourself in your power, to operate from a really powerful and courageous place and not to let fear sit in the driver's seat. And so to anyone that's listening, I would just ask yourself, how often do you let fear sit in the driver's seat? And if you were just going to ask yourself every day, if I was going to embrace the discomfort that courage requires, what would I do today? And, you know, I've spent a lot of time being a bit uncomfortable over the last, since I was 18, um, 30 years. And I would just say to anybody, just embrace a bit of discomfort because that's how you grow and everything you really want in your life, what you really want, not what your ego wants, but what you really want in your heart of hearts, will require you to embrace discomfort and be brave in some way, shape or form. So I wake up in the morning, I feel not great. So just embrace it. Know that that is something that we have to deal with and know that that's how we grow. Well, ask yourself, why aren't you feeling great? And so my husband's just come out of 30 days with coronavirus, COVID. Um, he got COVID-19. Oh, okay. He was in quarantine. So he's just yeah. arrived home after 30 days. And that was a difficult 30 days. Yes. And because we didn't know when he was eventually going to come home. He was quite sick for the first week. And I had a lot of emotions. There was a few yeah. days where I felt overwhelmed. I felt anxious. Mm. I was so much uncertainty, our, our situation. I mean, we're not Singaporean citizens. We're not permanent residents. All of our situation, we have a massive uncertainty even where we're living in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've just had to allow myself to feel those feelings mm. and then just take a few big deep breaths. I've literally, and I, and, I, and I share some techniques in the book of how we can actually process through the anxiety as it comes up, how we can work through those stressful emotions, that stress mm -hmm. that we feel. And breathing, learning how to breathe mindfully is mm. really central to that. Right. And then connecting in with who is it I want to be. Mm. I want to be optimistic about the future. I want to be resilient. I want to be calm for my children and family. I want to be brave. And then by grounding myself through the different, the different strategies that I write about in the book, and there's a lot of different strategies that I use, mm. that allows me to show up with calm, with optimism, with courage, mm. and then to move through my day in that way. It doesn't mean that sometimes then I don't still go, <gasps> What's going to happen? I'm like, no, and I'll, I'll ground myself again in that place. And you know what? It all is in here. And when we're, when we're in the right mindset to deal with our challenges, it changes everything. Wow. I, I need to read that book. So tell us, where can we find a book? Uh, well, you can, it, it, all online booksellers will have it. Um, yeah. If you want to get a hard copy, obviously book depository anywhere. Yeah. Um, you can download the, the e-book or the audible book, the audio version. 
And there's links, there's links to most of them if you go to my website, which is okay. margiewarrell.com. Yep, we'll um, put it in the show link. Yeah, forward slash YGT for the book page, but margiewarrell.com. Um, you can you can also download the manifesto um, for free if you'd like to do that. So that's at the book page. And I just invite people to connect with me also on social media, wherever we connect here. Awesome. Great. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've got tons of values from this and I, I'm, I'm sure our audience get tons of values from this. And to know more about Margie, go to her website. We have it in our show link. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Fantastic. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, if you like this episode, share it with your friends on social media. Tag me at The Chill Mom and every month I pick a winner and you could win a surprise from me. And if you'd like to hear more on how to build a business from home while raising kids and how to manage it all without tearing your hair out, subscribe to my podcast for more episodes like this one. I'll catch you next time and thanks for listening.